What is up, everybody? Matt Swifty Perry here with the Leader Swift Podcast. Today, I'm excited. We got a guest with us. We have Will Mancini. I don't know if you've ever heard of Will or or checked out his stuff, but he is an incredible leader. He consults churches and ministry entrepreneurs. He's an author, a speaker. So he kind of does a little bit of everything, but He's incredibly wise in bringing some leadership wisdom with us today. I'd encourage you to share this with a friend. Um, Subscribe if you have not subscribed so you don't miss an episode. And we're going to jump right into our conversation with Will Mancini. What's up, everybody? I'm here with Will Mancini. Did I say your last name right, Will? You got it. You that got is it. like the coolest last name. I even I told my wife I was interviewing you this morning. And she's like, I love his name. It's fun. Well, I think <laughs> in in Italy, my grandfather would have said Mancini, Mancini but you know we soften the C's, and, and uh, it's easier to say that way. <laughs> Will, how is it going? Tell us a little bit about you and your leadership journey. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. I well, I've um, Love, uh, love serving the church and uh, kind of work as a church consultant, ministry entrepreneur. I left pastoring in 2001 to experiment with this kind of coaching consulting gig. And within six months to a year, felt kind of wind beneath my wings and have been uh, enjoying kind of, uh, I, would, I would call myself kind of prophetic, apostolic, uh, just working, helping uh, churches uh, really uh, embody the movement that Jesus started. And love uh, love being on site with churches, uh, you know, most most days of the week in different different areas of the country. So, uh, I I love clarity, I love visionary planning, and and I love just you know how do we um, how do we stay clear about the mission of Jesus? How do we innovate well and kind of win the day in these challenging days in which we're uh, we're leading? That's amazing. So you've been around a lot of churches and a lot of leaders. Yep. Yep. That's amazing. If if you're talking to a room full of leaders, what's like one leadership tip that you'd give them just to help them lead better today? Yeah, I think it, you know, based on my calling, what I do, and it this this may be a stretch to call it a tip, but I'll 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 uh, I'll, I'll go in on this this idea. Um, I want leaders to take a second look at uh, the idea or the question. Are we really operating off the mission or is there been kind of a, a subtle um, subversive drift from true north? Okay, so what I like to do is kind of pull back the curtains and say, wow, you know, is it possible that with the best intentions, something has diverted our course? And it almost, you know, it's um, that's not as tip esque, maybe. As, uh, as, as, a, as a typical thing, but I think for where we are today, leaders might be able to relate to what I would call what's really, you know, I think pre-COVID, I think we would have felt this pretty strongly, but I think post-COVID, we can name it with greater clarity. I would say, like, for example, the functional Great Commission in the, in the church in North America has become going to all the world and make more worship attenders baptizing them in the name of small groups and teaching them to volunteer a few hours a month. And it's like, you know, Jesus didn't die for that mission. So I'd say the tip is, the tip is this, to put it in, in, a, in maybe a more bite-sized form, clarity isn't everything. 
but it changes everything. And, and, and if you want to grow as a leader, you don't just kind of presume that we've got all things clear. If you want to grow your capacity as a leader, you have to spend disproportionately more time cultivating, creating the clarity for yourself and your team. Uh, so the, the higher level leader spends more time cultivating, creating, championing, com- you know, communicating, massaging into the minds and hearts of the team, massaging into the organization, the clarity that God wants us to have about what he's calling us to do. That's so good. Uh, a follow-up question is how, as a leader, do we make sure what we're doing is clear to the mission? Like, is there maybe here's a couple things to look for, um, but as we're brainstorming, maybe that next idea, how do we make sure that it's clear right next to the mission? Yeah, there's a couple, there's a couple, you know, secret weapons there. One, you know, one is just to, to take time. I think most leaders don't have clarity because they have not really paused to reflect and process. So I, you know, let's say, you know, church leaders are addicted to events and products but it's process that produces the meaning. Are you, are you really, you know, you experiencing the most meaningful progress you can as a leader and, and you just have to hit these. It's, it's why Sabbath was baked into the universe, right? So, um, you know, living a, an intentional life requires that pause. The second thing is, you know, listening well, you know, or, or, or is your collaboration as a leader inviting collaboration, but ultimately if you want to know whether you're on mission or not, I, I always, you know, I never leave a church without having codified what I call mission measures. That is, what are the, what is the true scorecard here? Like, how do we know when we've been fruitful and successful on the mission we've articulated? And we literally, it's probably given you know, a significant part of my life to helping teams clarify and codify that. So it's like, you know, it's everyone's got it alive in their mind and heart every day. Like this is this is how this is how we we know we're winning. And obviously in the church, it's no, you know, um, no secret. Like, you know, we, we tend to do that with attendance and giving. Um, but that's not really adequate measures for, for the mission. It's easy, it's easy to have people come and show up or people give, drop money, you know, in the bucket and, and not really be growing as a disciple making disciple. So that's, that's, um, yeah, we, we need, we need a better scorecard than just did they show up, you know, and, and did, did they give, you know, did they actually grow up? You know, did is, is something actually happening when they when they attend? So, which is why that functional Great Commission after COVID is so such a big deal. So, you know, we we might have our brick and mortar services might be limited in size or you know what what have you. But that but but the mission of Jesus is not boarded up. And when we we have a, a you know a clearer scorecard, we can still we have lots of lots of work we can do to keep keep moving the needle on on disciple making. That's so good. I love what you said about like the scorecard. I think the hard part sometimes um, is how are we tracking some of these things, right? Like we can um, think, oh, this is this is super important to help walk people through a discipleship kind of track um, to grow in their faith. But how have you seen um, or helped people kind of track people in their church, their spiritual growth? Yeah. Well, uh, the, 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 the question before the question is, you know, why, why is measurement important? And we have a lot of one-liners about, you know, what gets rewarded gets repeated and, you know, you can't, can't manage what you can't measure. 
uh, I said in future church, you know, where your measure is there, your heart will be also. And so uh, what really that's all about is, you know, what your you know, focus determines everything. You know, uh, Peter Drucker is a great kind of mentor, thinker organizationally. And he said, there are no results without a concentration of resources. So the key to measurement is just it, it determines your focus. And, you're, and, and, the, and the church, by nature, gets very distracted with, you know, because it's a messy work and we're distracted for good reasons. Um, Sunday's coming, you know, we're dealing with messy people and, and this messy business of transformation through, through the power of Christ. But like, hey, we, where's your focus? And so having a scorecard helps direct that focus. But I think, you know, the, the bigger question is, you know, how do we not focus just on the easy things to measure? We call those input results. Input results are, those, you know, a kindergartner can count the heads in a room. That's very easy. It's very concrete. You know, we feel it when we preach, et cetera. But it's the output results that we're after. You know, again, the mission's not to make worship attenders, to make disciples. So, um, you know, I can measure whether someone's in a small group. That's, that's not a measure of true biblical community. That's just, hey, did they come? But for example, I could ask leaders, uh, I could ask a believer a question and say, well, how many 2 a.m. friends do you have? I mean, how many, how many people could you call in the middle of the night if the bottom of your life dropped out? Who you trust, who you know they love you, who doesn't bother you to call them and wake them up? And everyone can name a number for that, right? So that's, that's you know, is it is it zero? Is it two? Is it is it eight? And that's a measure of the biblical community. So it's not hard to, you know, to, to have what I would call um, true output kind of qualitative questions where you can get a sense if you're leading a Bible study, if you're leading a small church or mid, mid-sized church or a large church, you can actually assess how many 2 a.m. friends do your people have in your church. And that's different than whether they're part of a small group or not. Just to illustrate that point really quick, I, as a small group pastor back in the late 90s, this really hit me for the first time when Jerry – uh, run into a, a Starbucks on a Saturday morning, and I ran into Jerry. And Jerry came to Christ in our church. He had been involved in like you know a different small group for the last you know three or four years. And I saw a meeting with four guys at Starbucks on a Saturday morning. I said, Jerry, is this your small group at the church? He goes, No. He goes, This isn't my small group. These are my two a.m. friends. And he said, I, Every year I'm in a small group. I said that group produces another two a.m. friend. And he so he was actually doing life with his true biblical community. Now, he was in a different small group at church, and that's great, but there's a difference between showing up in a small group and having 2 a.m. friends in your life. And we're just saying put make a real scorecard, not just whether they come to church or not. Wow, that's so good. I, and I love that 2 a.m. friends thing. That's, that's really good. Well, Will, you wrote um, a new book as we kind of um, end the episode. I know it goes so quick. Um, tell us a little bit about Future Church the company and the brand new book you released, um, because I think this is a game changer for so many churches and so many pastors. Yeah, well, it goes goes toward that functional great commission, as I mentioned. So the book is written to address that. And in the book, what I do is I give a great picture. It's a tool that's a game changer for any like church team uh, in there. And we, you know, we start by saying, hey, most churches in North America, the, the people are attend. You know, the question is, why do people attend church? And the answer is. We call it a lower room identity. They're there because of the place, the personality, the programs, or the people. And these are all part of the programmatic church expression. And these are all things that are good things that I want every church to have great place, personality, programs, people. 
But we talk about how do you connect people emotionally, not to that lower room thing, but to an upper room idea of, hey, the, the unique disciple-making mission and vision of the church. And so the whole book is about that. And I basically say, hey, in 2020, but even before COVID, it was, we were hitting an era where the program church, if you're only doing lower room church, it's going to have less and less of a value proposition in, in, in North American culture. So we were saying, how do we ensure that we're not just faking disciples in program church? How do we know we're really making them? And the book unpacks seven laws of what I call real church growth. So I think they're great discussion ideas for your team. And and then I and then I, I give you know, most people know some of the tools I've done, like Vision Frame, Horizon Storyline. Well, I create a new tool that uh, we call Funnel Fusion. And it's just I, I've just been reading like the first 60 reviews and everyone's saying, man, you've got to get the book. You've got to look at these these two funnels. So we basically overlay the assimilation funnel of the modern church. This is the attend, connect, serve game plan that most churches run. And then we look at the multiplication funnel of Jesus. How do you empower uh, each individual in a, in a meaningful kind of disciple making life on life strategy where Jesus was empowering his, you know, his life and giving authority away to 12 that grows to 72. And ultimately the size of Jesus's church after three years is about 120. And I'll end, end with this thought, you know, every person in our ministries that you preach or teach to in your small group, where, wherever you're leading, each of those people probably, if you add up sociologically, the people in their extended family, in their neighborhoods, it, where they work and with their hobbies and interests, they probably have about 120 people in their sphere of influence. And so that's the future of the church. It's those people that, that uh, in the sphere of influence, of the people you directly disciple, influence, teach, and preach to, and that's the future of the church is uh, is is helping them uh, bring the gospel to their their spheres of influence. So this whole book is all about how do you grow the real church, not just do program church. And there's seven laws I think that can just be a tremendous help to church teams these days, especially in this post-COVID context. Wow, that's so good. That is just a must read for so many church leaders. Will, where can they connect with you online and just see a little bit more of what you're doing? Yeah, you bet. Well, you can go to futurechurchbook.com on the book, but my blog is willmancini.com. Um, you know, follow me at Will Be Clear on Instagram, and that's kind of the best way to hang with me each day. And uh, appreciate the opportunity to, uh, to uh, uh, share share that tip on keeping mission clear. Thank you so much, Will.